What a wonderful, wonderful song. Thank you so much for this um, great song here. Well, uh, it's for me a special honor to be with you this morning. If 15 years ago, when we met first time here on this campus, somebody would have told me you will preach someday in this pulpit, um, I wouldn't believe that. So therefore, I will, I'm here to say thank you, Dr. Patterson, for allowing me to um, yeah, preach here in your chapel. But uh, I also have, um, before I start, to excuse myself, because um, I have excuse uh, for my poor English, you know, sorry for that. Um, but, you know, I have at least one um, good thing about this all. Your German is even worse than my English, so, <laughs> you know, I thought, about, I thought about inviting Dr. Patterson to Germany and to ask him to, to preach a German sermon, <laughs> just, you know, to experience this special moment to hear him German <laughs> speaking. Well, again, sorry, I try to do my best with my English, but um, I struggle a little bit with the language, so I will um, ask you to be patient with me. I heard that usually in America, if uh, you want to preach a good sermon, you have to start with a joke. Uh, it looks like it's true. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure about this, so... On Sunday in uh, Birchman Baptist Church, I started with a joke, but today I, I have only 30 minutes, so I better skip the joke, and we start with the sermon. Please open with me the Bible, Psalm 63. Psalm 63. In my German Bible, my Luther Bible, this psalm has a headline where it says, yearning for God. And I think this is a good headline. This is a good topic for this psalm. Yearning for God. Usually when we read a psalm, we are trying to figure out where does this psalm come from? Because, you know, in Germany we have a theological term, Sitz im Leben. And maybe you have heard this term because it's international. It says this psalm is written in a special situation. And if you know when and where and why somebody wrote a poem or a song or a psalm, then sometimes you can understand better what it means, what the psalm will say. In this situation, we know who wrote this psalm. It says here that David wrote this psalm. And it says even more than this. It says, when he was in the desert of Judah. I don't know if you ever have been to the desert of Judah. You should do that. I travel with our students at least once a year to Israel to um, visit these very special places in Israel. And so we come every year to the desert of Judah. Today, it's a very famous place because you can see there many um, yeah, important, important um, excavations like the Qumran you see there. Or many people go there to the Death Sea, which is also in the desert of Judah. But in those days... What did David do in the desert? For sure he was not there as a tourist. And he didn't live there because he, come from, he came from Bethlehem. So what did David do in the desert? Well, we know that des uh, David, when he was in the desert from the Bible, we know there were two occasions when David was in the de desert of Judah. Once he was fleeing from the king, and another situation, he was fleeing as the king. 
He was fleeing from the king, from Saul, and then he was fleeing from his own son. And we have read today part of the story from 2 Samuel. So this psalm was written in a very difficult situation. I think he wrote this psalm when he was already the king. Because in verse 11 it says, but the king will rejoice in God. It is written here in the third person singular. But in my opinion, David is here referring to himself. So uh, he's talking about himself here. The psalm describes the longing for God, yearning for God. And let's look together, what does it mean to have a yearning for God? What does it mean to have a yearning for God? And how can we quench this yearning for God? Well, let's read verse 1. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David says, if you want to see if you have a yearning for God, look inside. Look into your heart. Look into your body. See what's going on in you. What's inwards? What's going on inwards? God, you are my God, David says. Earnestly, I seek you. If David says, my God, what does he mean with this special possessive pronoun? Is that the right pronunciation? Possessive pronoun? What does he mean? Well, we have two different meanings if we use my. If I say, this is my car, then I mean this car belongs to me. It's my car. It belongs to me, right? But if I say, this is my wife, my wife doesn't belong me. Is that right? My wife doesn't belong me. But it means I have a relationship to her. She belongs to me and I belong to her in the term that we have a very, very close relationship. That's why I say, this is my wife. And when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he was referring to a special relationship to God. So Jesus cried, my God, because he had this very, very personal relationship with God. What is your relationship with God? I mean, listen, I'm not asking you how much you have read about God or how much you have heard about God. I'm not asking you how often you attend chapel and how often you go to church service. I'm asking you, what is your personal relationship with God? I'm not asking you how much you have written about God or how much you have studied about God. I'm asking you, what is your personal relationship with God? Look inside. Do you have this yearning for God? My God, my God, I seek you, I look for you. I do remember what a student at our seminary said once to me. I wrote my paper about Jesus, but I did it without him. And when I turned it in, I realized what happened, and I felt so bad that I started to weep and to cry on my way from the seminary back to my room. You know, over many decades, scientists believed that religion could be, repl- could be replaced by science. I mean, that's the irony of the story, yeah? The scientists believe that religion could be replaced 
But we all know today that the scientific world world has been, has been unable to replace the religion. People are still longing for God. People are still looking for God. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Let me show you some pictures from the desert. Can we see uh, the next picture? Yes, see, this is the desert of Judah. The next picture showed you where the Qumran is. Next. Yeah. Maybe you have seen that picture more often. And you can see, if there is no water, there is no life. But there is a lot of rain in that desert. And there are times when they have big floods in the desert. So the desert is really, really longing for water. And like the desert needs water so that life can become true there or that uh, something can um, get to life, so is our soul looking for God. But is that true for your life? Is that true for my life? You know what, I want to be honest with you. There are days where I start my day with a hallelujah, with a prayer. You know, my thoughts are with God and I start to pray and I read my Bible and everything is really um, in place because my relationship with God is okay. But there are other days too. I mean, I do read my Bible, but there is no longing for that. I, I do that because, you know, well, because I do it every day. I read my three or four chapters in the morning. I do my prayer, but, but there's no special relationship. How does it come? How does it come that there are times in our lives where we not can say, I am so thirsty for this relationship with God? Well, David answers this question. Let's read the next verses. Verse 2 to 5. David's saying we have to find the right direction where we look. Let's read. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. David says you have to look up. You have to see where God is. You can only have a good relationship to somebody that you know. If you don't know a person, then you have no longing, no yearning for that person. So you have to look up to God to know who he is. You have to understand who he is. Then your relationship will grow. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. David was really looking for this special moment. In the Old Testament, God placed himself in the midst of his people. He said, I will dwell in your midst. And there was this sanctuary. There was this special place where God wanted to be with his people. So and David is saying, I'm longing for this special moment to meet you at the tabernacle, to see the special place where you are dwelling. And that's why he says, I want to be there where I can see your power and your glory. You know, 
David is telling us, look up to him. Look into the right direction. When I was a young man in Germany, it takes you a lot of money to get your driver license, you know. Usually you pay about 1500 to $2,000 to get your driver license, you know? Because you have a lot of theory and then you have a lot of, you know, um, hours to drive with a teacher and so on. It costs you a lot of money. So, and the teacher told me, Heinrich, whenever you drive, look forward. Because there, where you look, you will steer. So I was driving and you know how I am, you know? I thought I will test my teacher and we were passing on the Autobahn. You know our German Autobahns? Okay. And you know how we drive there on these Autobahns. Yeah. So I was passing a truck. And I started to read what's written on this truck. And suddenly, the teacher grabbed my steer and corrected my driving style and said, where did you look? I, oh, I excused myself. I said, you know what? I was testing what you said. And I looked on the, on the truck and to see what was written on the truck, and he said, I told you, where you steer, there, uh, where you look, there you drive. Listen, I learned that this is a, a life le a lesson. This is not true only for driving. That's true for our whole, our whole life. There, where you look, that will you desire. Read, me, me in, uh, read with me in Genesis 3, verse 6. When the woman saw, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took, she saw, she took and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband. It is important where we look. Some people say, it doesn't hurt if I just, you know, watch maybe an impure movie during the week. It doesn't hurt if I just play some violent video games. It's just fun to do that, you know. But David is telling us, there you look. There, this will you desire. You will yearn for that, what you're seeing. Therefore, my dear friend, it makes a difference where you look. And David is saying, look up. Look up to him. Learn more and more. Do, do, um, learn more from God. So, and then you will have more desire for him. Because you will understand how, how, big, how, how um, powerful he is. How glorified he is. And so on. So therefore, we have to look up. Verse 3, because your love is better than life. I mean, he was the king of Israel. He had a good life. But he says, your love is more than anything I have in my life. My lips will glorify you. In verse 4, it says, I will... Four, pardon, verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Oh, 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 that... It's a little bit dangerous. Okay. Shall we skip that? <laughs> well. No, it, that's good. Let, it's good? Yeah, okay. Well, okay. It's a poem, you know. You don't have to take everything verbal, you know. So, yeah. 
it's much more difficult to explain this verse in Germany than here in the States. You know what, why? Because Germans don't have emotions, you know? <laughs> here in America, you laugh, you clap in church. Dr. Patterson knows this. And we are very serious always. Very serious people, we don't laugh. Everything is very serious. Life is dangerous. And the most, <laughs> the most, the most common word is Schwierigkeiten. Schwierigkeit means difficulties. Germans have always difficulties. <laughs> so to explain to a German to lift up the hands is very difficult. But see, before we start to become charismatic here, I should say what it means. <clears throat> it means that our whole body, that our whole body, you know, is in that praise for God. I mean, go to a football game and you see how people are, you know, passionate for their team. Why can these people celebrate their team so much, but we, we come from church and say, well, that was a very good service. I mean, <laughs> nobody will believe that. And therefore, David says, I want, I want to glorify you with my whole body so that people, they, when they see me, they can tell this guy is passionate for God. So that's what David is saying. It doesn't matter if you raise your hand. It's not, I don't think it's a sin to raise the hand, but you, have, you don't have to do that. But if you do it, it has to come from the heart. It, has not, it, doesn't, um, it, it shouldn't be just a show. It should be from the heart. And then... There is a very interesting um, expression here. In, uh, I use here the NIV version. I'm not sure if this is allowed here, but <laughs> in, uh, in my um, NIV it says, read with me, uh, verse 5. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. <sighs> you know what, the, or, what, we, what it says in Hebrew? In Hebrew, it says something like we have in the New American Standard Bible. And my mouth offers praises with joyful, sorry, my soul is satisfied as with marrow or oil. You can translate it with oil and fatness. What, the, what does that mean? <laughs> my soul is satisfied with, I mean, at least many of us trying to avoid calories and uh, fat and so <laughs> Nobody is pleased with that, you know. But what does that mean? I mean, and I think the NIV tried to paraphrase this expression here, and that helps to understand. And I, I, one day, uh, Dr. Peters mentioned already that I was born in, uh, in Russia, but I grew up actually in, in Germany. I came uh, to Germany in 1976, so my parents came earlier than the whole movement came. So I, actually, I grew up in Germany. But someday, I was asked to teach in the Ukraine um, uh, class. So I went there, and there was a very nice couple, and they invited me for, for dinner. And they said, we have very, something very, very special for you. I said, what is it? Wait, wait, wait. So I came there, and they brought it into the table, and it was sala. You don't know what sala is, because in our congregations, they all start to laugh. You don't know what sala is. Sala is nothing else than fat. Fat. It's not bacon. I like bacon, but it's, it's just smoked fat. Nothing else. Fat. I tell you. And then they said, this is very delicious. Try. Uh, 
Okay. I tried, you know, and by chewing it, it became bigger and bigger in my mouth. <laughs> I thought, how get rid of that? <laughs> At the end, I tried, you know, to, um, how do you say that? Swallow it, yeah? And then um, the, the, the lady looked at me and she, how did you like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was a very kind guest and I said, very interesting. <laughs> what, should, what should I say? I didn't like that. If you want to treat me with a good meal, you offer me a good steak, you know? Yeah? yeah? I'm, I'm in Texas, I know, I know where I am. <laughs> I eat a good steak, you know? And actually, if we would paraphrase it here, we would say, like, y y y like you get satisfied with a good steak, or I don't know if it's your term pizza, or I don't know, whatever it is, um, Tex-Mex, or whatever. <laughs> yeah? Like you get satisfied, your body is satisfied after a good meal, you know, you go home and say, wow, that was a good dinner. So is my soul satisfied in you. That's what David's saying. Look up to him because he wants to fill your soul. Come to Jesus and he will satisfy all your desires, my dear friend. That's why we're here. That's why we're studying God's word. We're not just here to become a better um, educator, to become after it a very, very um, knowledgeable, or those, uh, very clever pastor or so on. We are here to learn more about God because we are willing to look up. Third. David says, look back. Let's read together, together verse 6 to 8. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you, your right hands hold upon me. I tell you, that's so beautiful how David describes he, uh, here how he, by yearning for God, longing for God, is looking back. He's looking back. Don't look just inside. Don't look just up. Look also back. Look back. David says, on my bed, I remember you. I have underlined for you this parallelism. You know, if we um, would have here a class on, on Psalms, we would have to explain how a poem did work in the, old, in the, in the Hebrew language. Usually the first line and the second line are pretty similar. That's why they call them the parallelism. And so actually in the first line, he expresses his thought. And then in the second line, either he repeats the thought or he adds something to it. And sometimes it's both. And you can see exactly what David is doing here. On my bed, through the watches of the night. So he says... I am in my bed, but I cannot sleep. I'm, I'm still not sleeping. But what is he doing when he's in the bed and, can, and can't sleep? I remember you, I think of you. And you see, it's the same expression, just different words. I mean, why is David um, not sleeping? Did he have jet lag like me? I woke up at 2 in the morning, couldn't sleep. Not because I was nervous here, but because, you know, I'm still having a little bit of jet lag. No, David didn't have jet lag, but he had headache. Why did he have headache? Well, we mentioned already, 
He was fleeing from his own son. And that's why he was awake in the night. But he was not worried about his kingdom. He was not worried about his people. He was not worried about, he might be, um, he uh, could have been worried about this, but he is saying in all of my worries, I remember you. I think of you. Why? Verse seven, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. David was looking back and how often did he experience how God led him, how God protected him, how God, how God helped him, you know? And he was remembering all this good experience with God. Dear friends, just remember who you are and where you came from and what God has already done in your life. That's why we started in our school a new institute for theology and church history. Just to tell our young people what our parents experienced in Russia. When they start to tell what they experienced in Russia, I never, I never met a grandfather. Both grandfathers were killed by Stalin. But my grandmother was such a faithful woman because she said, the Lord helped ever, always through. The Lord helped always through. Therefore, if you are yearning for God, look back what God did in your life and you get satisfied in your soul. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. The right hand in the Old Testament was the powerful, the strongest hand of God. Go through the Old Testament and read wherever the term is used, the right, used the right hand. It was the strongest hand. It was the blessing hand. It was the caring hand. So that's a very special expression here. It's not just a term, you know, the right hand. It means something very special. God is carrying you. God is with you. God is leading you. Look back. And then, last but not least, David says, look forward, look ahead. Let's read the last verses, verse 9 to 11. They would seek my life, will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God all who swear by, swear by God's name will praise him while the mouths of the liars will be silent. Amen? Amen. This is how David is encouraging himself. He says, well, the circumstances are not always the best. There are people who try to destroy his life. Maybe they even try to destroy his faith. But David says, I trust in God. And the people who might have told him, David, why do you still trust God? See, he doesn't help you. If we wouldn't help you here in this desert, you might be dying. You, you might not live longer. But we are here to help you. Don't trust your God. Stop praying. Stop writing psalms. Let's do something. I don't know who these people were who tried, you know, to um, destroy it. But maybe these were people who were just saying, David, we don't need to trust in God. Just let's be strong and uh, stay together. David says, people who don't trust the Lord will have a very bitter end. 
Because there will be a day where their life will be destroyed. They will be given over to the sword and became food for the jackals. I mean, God told his people, if you will follow my commands, I will bless you. If you will not follow my commands, I will curse you. I will punish you. And you will die. And uh, that's what David is singing here. He says, people without God are lost people for the eternity. But all the others, and he's mentioning himself here, but the king will rejoice in God. And all who swear by God's name will praise him. There will be a day where our praise will be much louder than it was today. We did a great singing here. But it will be much louder praise in, in heaven because we will realize what God has done for us and how glorified his name is. And that will be the day where all the others will be silent. Because Paul writes that there will be a day where everybody, if the Bible says everybody, the Bible means everybody will bow their knees and accept that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. And all these liars who are telling us something different, who says, who say we can believe in different gods. There are many ways to the same God, you know. Maybe you have even people around you who don't understand why you're studying theology here at the seminary. That's not a job for the future. That doesn't give you perspective to earn good money. Maybe our people don't understand why you are studying at a seminary where the people believe in an errant word. Maybe they are scared a little bit about you and they trust, they try to convince you to stop your studies. Don't do that. Stay faithful because there is a day where all these liars will shut down. They will be silent. There will be only one who will be glorified, and this is God. And our biggest longing for God will be satisfied on this day because we will see him eye to eye and we will praise him forever. Therefore, my friend, yearning for God, David answers this question here, how we can yearn by looking inside, looking up, looking back, and looking forward. In this way, may God bless you. Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you. Lord, we want to thank you for this morning. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that you have encouraged us to look up to you because our yearning, our longing for God can be only satisfied in you. And therefore, we ask you, help us to look up to you, not to look around, but to look up to you and to realize what a good friend you are and what you have done for us. Lord, we want to ask you that you help us to look back so that we can see what you have done already in our lives. We didn't deserve what we um, have today and who we are. Therefore, we are looking back and are so thankful for what you have done in our lives. And we are looking forward. You are the coming king and we are expecting you soon. And therefore, we want to trust you that you will come and our yearning will have an end in eternity. Thank you for this psalm and for this encouragement we received this morning. Amen.